This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. What is Jodoh actually, right? Well, yeah. That's a great question. That could be a whole lesson on night school in itself, right? Well, there's something cosmic about Jodoh, typically. It's almost like, I wouldn't say fatalistic, but fate is evoked, mm. right? This is what was meant to be, mm. you and him, right? And how often, how often have you heard this expression being used even for terrible relationships? Yeah. Right? They argue, they bicker, they even have a divorce, but they're still hanging out together. And lo and behold, it's Jodoh at the end of the day, mm. right? And what I find interesting in the picture that Jodoh offers is how love is not subject to the neurosis or the idiosyncrasies of two individuals. There's something bigger at work here, right? BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Fawad Rahmat. This is Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories, and society. And this week, we are doing another installment of The Trying Game. And with us, as usual, is the producer of the show, Hanif Baruddin. Hi, come back, dude. Hi, Fawad. Well, you're always around, but I mean, welcome back behind the mic. You know, it's good to uh, hear you, given the... Very important role you play in producing the show and making it as good as it has become. We are going to do more of the translation stuff, but today we're going to focus on English to Malay. Do you find that is it is there a different mindset, or do you find that instinctively there is a difference between finding English words in Malay and Malay words in English, or is it just the same thing, the same kind of exercise? I don't know. Okay, this is going to be our second time doing English to Malay, right? And yeah. I think because the first one, we had a theme going on. So yeah, I yeah. feel like uh, that theme, non-liberal virtues, right, was yeah. particularly a bit more difficult. Right, so right. Uh, I'm not too sure whether this one is going to be any easier or more <laughs> difficult, I guess. Well, you're right. The last one is quite difficult because those are terms from liberal discourse, right? Mm. And liberal discourse isn't quite mainstream, right? So it's hard to find the Malay equivalents for mm. those, right? But this week, we're going to talk about Terms that are usually used in dating and relationships, right? So uh, maybe there might be overlap. So maybe there might not be, given that, like, as we've realized, there's a lot of uh, unique things that Malay words assume about mm. our relationship to the world and our relationship to others. So yes. I guess I'm looking forward to finding that out as well. And, you know, full disclosure, you are also a translator. Not right? really. You do, <laughs> you you do the stuff <laughs> for the Bahasa programming, which you've been working on for some time. I mean, you switch codes, I think, more than maybe the average BFM stuff. Okay, yeah, but I have to clarify that I don't formally translate. Yeah, sure, I mean, well, you're on radio, right? I mean, that sounds like pretty formal, though. Uh, so, um, but you do translation and you do translate. So you do think about these you know, the questions and the issues of equivalences, right? To what extent they converge and diverge. Mm. And before I start with the list, I should also explain to our listeners that we're not just looking for another word that can be just a substitute, right? So what we're looking for is the gaps in between, right? When we do find a word, but there's still a lingering awkwardness or there's still something jarring about the translations, right? So, of course, 
every English word can be translated into bahasa, right? Mm. The question here is how frequent are those translations used? Are they really preferred? What are the emotions that they evoke and why, right? So this is the exercise that we participate in. So let's start with the first term, chemistry. <laughs> chemistry, keserasian. Keserasian, eh? Yes. Keserasian is more like compatibility. Compatibility, well, yeah. okay. Well, well th- those are, okay, obviously to be compatible, yeah. you need a bit of chemistry, but they point to two different things, right? So compatibility tends to be about matching personalities, mm. right? Chemistry, it seems to me, is more about sparks, right? Or like... Is it biological in nature? Oh, well, not necessarily, <laughs> yeah, not necessarily, no. right? So compa- yeah. you're compatible when you like the same types of movies, when you like the same types of songs, but chemistry is like when you finish each other's sentences and like, you know, complete each other's jokes or stuff oh, like really? that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the senses of the, the term, you know. Oh. But must it be always defined by similarities in traits or interests? Keserasian. It seems to be. I mean, how would you use like keserasian usually like? To point out what? I don't know. I mean, okay, <laughs> I'm not an expert in this field, but... <laughs> when dating? <laughs> well, yes, unfortunately, but, but okay, sure. <laughs> putting that aside, sure. uh, I always thought that when it comes to relationship, you always need to have similarities in values more than interests. So, Kerserasian, okay, granted. So, Kerserasian can apply to values too. I suppose right? so. Chemistry doesn't apply to values so much, right? <laughs> when we talk about <laughs> chemistry because chemistry uh, when we talk about like when I have the same values as another person I think the preferred term is compatibility yes yeah but when I'm on the dance floor and we seem to be like quote unquote in sync with our moves or whatever that points to chemistry more, yeah right? I, okay, I'm getting to see the difference now I think yeah <laughs> well I'm just thinking out loud I yeah, don't even yeah. know right because yeah I think yeah I think there is a difference chemistry is just something that is I don't know. It's not scientific enough, and yet it's just the spark. Right? You said, the, spark said, yeah. the spark, right? Yeah. Now, do sparks matter in local romantic discourse? You feel like, because hmm. I I do hear like you know like the the question like Korani Srasita. I mean, it comes up maybe not as frequently in English. Maybe when we talk about compatibility, like compatibility and not compatibility, <laughs> no compatibility. And maybe even compatible, but the idea here is that compatibility and chemistry tends to be like the words that come out very quickly when you talk about, you know, the kinds of dynamic two people might have, right? Mm. But keserasian, people say kau sesuai ke tak, right? Secocok ke tak? Yeah, secocok. Yes, I think secocok is, is, but secocok is just... Another uh, way of saying keserasian, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and is chemistry important in kick-starting the whole relationship or do you still need the chemistry for a long-term relationship? Well, that's a great question, right? Is that still a concern maybe 30 years down the road? Correct. Right. And this is where I think relationship attitudes might differ, you know, when, when you compare the two contexts, right? Like chemistry presumes largely like the relationship between two individuals, Right. I am X, she is Y, whatever. There's this sort of like, we have this unknown thing, right? And the, the way they talk about it is like, there's this thing that we have, right? The word thing stands in for, for that, yeah. right? For the mystery that binds us both. Whereas I think in the local context, granted individuals come together, but as again, we come back to this, right? Family matters a lot, right? And 
you know, typically what happens in in sort of Hollywood narratives, right? The family is almost like a by the way, or I should let you know. You know, there's sort of like the, the family is almost like a, a footnote or a postscript, right? Whereas in the Malay context, it's almost like the second thing you talk about. Yeah. Right. So uh, maybe even the first thing. Right. So that's why I meet the parents. The effect is that the parents enter to sort of disrupt sort of the romance. Right. In a way that maybe um, I'm not saying that the local narrative is so is so alien to it. Right. But there is that difference in emphasis, maybe. And maybe when when you see how much marriage is about bringing together more than just two individuals. Chemistry matters less, maybe? I don't know. You mm. know. Uh, one more question. Can chemistry also be used in a more platonic relationship as opposed to a romantic one? I think so. I, I used to always say that me and Sharad Kutten have good chemistry. You know, take that as you wish. But I, <laughs> it's, it's platonic every time I've used it. You know, um, I don't know how he took it or others. But <laughs> I think you, you do hear that sometimes, right? But there is this sort of like, you know... I'm one piece of the puzzle, they're a piece of another puzzle, and we come together. That sort of idea, right? Chemistry as sort of like an unexplainable seamlessness almost. You know, that's the way I I read it. Unlike compatibility, which is something that you can explain. It 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 seems more matter-of-fact, it seems. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Uh, So that's that's chemistry, folks. Um, This is a phrase, uh, unrealistic expectations. <laughs> What's the equivalent expression? It could be a phrase, could be a you know a commonly heard sentence or word. Like now that you mention it, it feels very. I don't know. I've never heard people use it in <laughs> Malay. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but it seems so. The two words come in a package in English, don't they? When we talk about like relationships, right? Unrealistic expectations, right? <laughs> but then that's different, lah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Is is a very like it's a common recourse when trying to explain why things don't work out or whatever. Mm. Sort of. In fact, I don't think in the Malay language we talk about expectations at all in relationships. <laughs> I don't know. Again, <laughs> you pick the wrong person to talk about but, this. But, but. but again, I don't know either. To be honest, uh, sometimes you can have a lot of relationships and not know what's going on. You know, so that's the <laughs> other thing. But it's again about the mindset that people maybe approach relationships with, ostensibly, whether they realize it or not. Right? These are certain go-to expressions mm. that allow you to make sense of a situation or allows you to negotiate or to express, you know, what potentially could happen or not, right? So unrealistic expectations tend to be a thing <laughs> or an issue, typically when it comes to, like, discussing but romance, it, right? Okay, but it comes usually after you're in a relationship, right? As in, at least the discussion of unrealistic expectations happen. It could be, yeah. Um, yeah. Between a couple who's already in a relationship, right? When you're courting someone, do you talk about it? I don't know. I think you could. But I, I think it's interesting that this presumes how much idealization goes on mm. in, in romances, right? And I wonder if there is a lot less idealizing, maybe, in this context. I, I don't know. Again, I'm thinking out loud, you know. But the idea that, you know, a person can be your everything, you know, and the, everything tends to be construed in very abstract or metaphysical ways, right? Whereas the discourse of courtship here, a lot of it is about nafkah, a lot of it is about rezeki, a lot of it is like jaga ibu you know, a lot of it is about responsibilities, right? Less than ideals. Of course, there's a lot of idealization. I'm not saying that it mm. doesn't, but again, we're talking about shifts in tones and emphasis, right? But whereas like the notion of marriage as survival, 
is still, you know, front and center here. Whereas I think in a lot of like liberal romance sort of outlooks, right, a lot of it is about like again chemistry, again like fulfillment, happiness, and all that, right. So I just wonder, like, why isn't there a phrase that sort of captures that, right? Like unrealistic expectations in in local context. When obviously there are similar problems across the board, right? Mm. Divorces happen, breakups happen, betrayals happen, and stuff like infidelity happens and stuff like that. But on one hand, you can say maybe liberal discourse has figured something out about the way you know human love occurs that they need this expression. On the other hand, you go, well, how helpful is it? if the same problems occur, right? <laughs> what does it add here? So yeah. I find it quite interesting because, I mean, we're trying to dissect it from the perspective of language and yet I feel like culturally, have we penetrated that barrier yet? In the sense that do people who are English-speaking tend to immerse themselves in that liberal way of like, you know, being in a relationship compared to, yeah. Well, language is unconscious. Well, that's the other thing, right? We tend to think that we can just hop into one discourse to another and there's no like subtraction happening. Right? When I think one of the interesting things I've learned from the trying game and whether it's the Malay to English or English to Malay version is that you don't necessarily have immediate access to the same assumptions across the board, right? There are certain things that come more instinctively in, a, in, in the command of English that is not afforded in the command of Bahasa. Right, and vice versa. There's certain things like relationships, right? Bahasa is great to explain relationships, right? How we are very intertwined, how our feelings are very entangled, right? Which the English language is very I-centered, right? And we talked about like how in Bahasa, the I is always contextual, right? Saya, aku. Or sometimes if you feel that there's a lot more formality required, or not formality, but there's a sense of like recognizing you know, reverence or something like that or sensitivity, you, you refer to yourself in the third person almost like Fuat nak kata ni, Fuat nak pergi bilik air kejar or something like that, right? Mm. So the I isn't sovereign in the way that it is in, in English, right? Mm. Where, yeah, sort of like, just be yourself, right? And this is something that you hear like every urban English-speaking liberal say, right? They, they say in their sleep almost, right? Just be yourself, right? I struggle to find the same expression in bahasa not never mind just the the same literal translation but even an equivalent sense of the attitude mm. you know like jadi diri kau it's just like who have you been this entire time right <laughs> so but in english it, it's such a preoccupation yeah. right so again i mean i don't know what the larger grander implications are but you do at least start with a sense that when you code switch, you're entering different streams. You're swimming in different pools, right? Mm. And the sensibilities on offer are different, right? Yeah. So. It's just that the reason I asked was because of the fact that even in my interactions with urban English-speaking folks... Who you work with? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we all love you. Shout out, shout out to BFMS. Anyway, well, yeah. anyway uh, it's just that I find it quite interesting because, I mean, we are conversing in English and then suddenly they bring up all these terms about Rezeki and Jodo and things like that. And I was like thinking, oh, okay, it's funny because here they are speaking in English and yet they are bringing words or values that are mostly associated with, I don't know, the more conservative Malay-speaking community. Yeah, so so yeah. I, I find that quite interesting. And I think it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's beautiful in the sense that we have those colors to play with, you know. Which brings me to another question, right? What is the English equivalent of Jodo since we're discussing this? Hmm. Right. <laughs> 
what is Jodo actually, right? Well, yeah. That's a great question. That could be a whole lesson on night school in itself, right? Well, there's something cosmic about Jodo, typically. It's almost like, I wouldn't say fatalistic, but fate is evoked, mm. right? This is what was meant to be, mm. you and him, right? And how often, how often have you heard this expression being used even for terrible relationships? Yeah. Right? They argue, they bicker, they even have a divorce, but they're still hanging out together. And lo and behold, it's Jodo at the end of the day. Mm. Right? And what I find interesting in the picture that Jodo offers is how love is not subject to the neurosis or the idiosyncrasies of two individuals. There's something bigger at work here, right? Whether it's the alignment of the stars or something else that's pulling the strings of their sentiments, right? That love is sort of beyond grasp. And of course, one can say it's nonsensical or whatever, but romance and love and all that evokes a lot of fantasy and imagination anyway, right? So who's to say what's nonsensical or not? But the utility of Jodo, mm. right? The way that people turn to that term to explain all sorts of failings, right, in love, I find is very interesting, right? So I don't know what it means, but the picture it provides is that there's something bigger at work when it comes to love. It's mm -hmm. not just like, these are my likes, those are your likes, this is how I am, that's how you are, and this is why things don't work out. And sometimes I don't necessarily, uh, I mean, it's nice that the English liberal discourse has like this whole arsenal of terminologies to explain why relationships don't work out, right? But they don't make them any easier, to be honest, right? So, okay, great. You have this entire discourse about why relationships are failing, how dating cultures evolve, blah, blah, blah. But the difficulty is still there. You still have to grapple with it. So you eventually return to the dead ends, the impasses, right? Which is what Jodo is meant to point out anyway. So, <laughs> so you know... Is the liberal dating discourse, relationship guru world, is it just a long detour to something very human? Just like masking and decorating like age-old fallibilities, right? Or do they really add much new knowledge, right? I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Mm. Okay, maybe Jodo is... Because we used the word takdeh just now, right? So maybe, fate, yeah. Yeah, fate. So maybe Jodo is the relationship version of takdeh. Right, because because that's what it yes, yeah, essentially I think so. is, right? I think so. yeah. uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and also Jodo. I mean, uh, you have faith, and then you also have, I don't know, for the believers out there, it's also a bit intertwined with religion as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so whereas I think in the English speaking world, the liberal world is a bit more secular. So hence the reason why they don't really leave things up to fate or things that's that an, you can't control. Right? That's an interesting uh, observation. I would also add that I don't necessarily think that Jodo is an Arabic word. I don't know. Maybe you can uh, let us know, you know, if, if you know about this, uh, the etymology or something. But it seems to be very localized, that term. Something that, you know, and it's again, it's a very like, it's such a handy term. Handy as in it's always within reach. That's the first thing people think about or use trying to explain relationships, you know. Mm. Or sometimes even why they work, right? Oh, yeah. How is it that this ugly person can be with this really hot person? I don't get it, Jodo, you know. And for some, that offers a lot of like relief, right? That, you know what, it's not in my hands. Something else is at work here. Let's ride with it, you know? So, mm. In any case, as fate would have it, we have to take a break. We are discussing the terminologies again as part of the trying game. We're looking at the liberal dating lexicon and finding their 
uh, equivalents in Bahasa. I'm with Hanif Baharuddin, producer for Night School, and this is Ahmad Fuad Rahman on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, listening to me, Ahmad Fuad Rahman, on Night School. And this is another installment of The Trying Game. And we are talking about the liberal dating lexicon, right? And the first part of the show, we looked at trying to find Bahasa equivalents of words such as chemistry and the popular phrase, unrealistic expectations. And we took a turn to reflect on the meaning of jodo. So we shall continue with popular dating catchphrases in English, this time talking about uh, attraction. Attraction. Uh... <laughs> Somebody is attractive. I want to use the word menarik, but I don't think that's that's appropriate. Menarik <laughs> is interesting. Menawan? Menawan, captivating, right? Menawan yeah. is captivating. Menawan yeah, is a bit high. It's like another level to attraction. Mm. Which I find puzzling because it seems to me there's not much... It's not very loaded term, attraction, mm, yeah. right? It doesn't yeah. like it doesn't presume any metaphysics or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I like you, I find you attractive. How do... That, that's the, we, I mean, we're Malays, right? I'm asking this question. How do Malays do that, right? That's How the, do they make... That's tertarik. But that's just like, I'm, I'm attracted to you. Saya tertarik dengan awak lah. But then, attraction is, yeah. How do you describe attraction? Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, while we're stuck here, let's extend the puzzle to this other thing I observe. I love you, right? Aku cita kau or something like that. Hmm. I wonder how often that's used. In actual relationship. Cinta kan kau, yeah. It they, seems like they prefer I love you. It seems like... These days, you mean? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> since I started dating at least, like <laughs> Malays preferred I love you, then aku cinta kan kau. I don't know. I mean, tell me. Enlighten me, Hanif. <laughs> okay, I find the word love quite interesting because, especially when you translate it to Malay, because it has like three different translations that you can use, right? Whereas in English, you only have one, love. So in, in Malay, you have cinta, which is like the, I think mm-hmm. the more romantic term that you use, then there's also sayang. Yeah, so you don't have a sayang equivalent in English, I feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so people use love, so I, I love you since... Uh, but where does kasih come in? I think kasih and sayang is just is, is just the same. I think it's a similar yeah. term. Yeah, synonym. But but it's it's weird though because you say lover, when you say lover, you also say kasih. kasih and right. when you say piti, you say kasihan. Mm. Right? So are those <laughs> not related or... Maybe they're not related. I yeah, think. maybe yeah, probably yeah. not related. Yeah, probably right? not related. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Kasihan is, I think it's its own word. It looks like we're adding yeah, yeah. The, the suffix there, right? But yeah. I think it's just it's its own word. Like, I think. Sure, sure. But I think that's an interesting point that you bring up that we're not fixated on, on trying to pin down love or one kind of love. Because you can talk about sayang, which is very broad, mm. but actually very how would you say, impactful to mm. say that word, right? Yeah. Like, when you say it to somebody, it is meaningful, right? And at that point, you have reached a level beyond suka, mm. right? Whereas in English, love is so stretched to the point where you can say, I love Frappuccino, to I love Anderson Park, to I love you, right? Mm. And of course, they get neurotic trying to figure out what does this mean, you know, like what, is, what does he mean to say that he loves me or whatever. Whereas I think Bahasa just allows these different registers to yeah. come out, right? Yeah. That you, you have the, the kind of affectionate touch of sayang, which you can apply to pets, which you can apply to siblings, right? But the tone of tactile gentleness is there, like it's a different level than suka. And of course, chinta is the heaviest, I would think, at least. Mm. So you're not 
pigeonholed or you're not straightjacketed to just one word, which is love for everything, right? I think that's quite liberating yeah. for me at least. Yeah, I think that's where I'm, I think the Malay language is a bit more flexible in yeah. this. Yeah. Relationally, right? As mm. we keep coming back to this, right? That insofar as we need relations to kind of just get through this thing called existence, then the Malay language is really underrated for what it offers, right? And we've had various philosophers and therapists on the show precisely grappling with human relationships, right? Whereas I wonder how much more maybe Malay can offer to finesse those like tight ropes and conundrums, right? Mm. But um, coming back to why, I mean, we don't hear Chinta that much anymore, I think it's because it's literary as well, I think. You don't hear it much anymore, huh? I think people don't literally say Saish Chinta Kanawa. Okay, what then do they say? Like you said just now, I love you, right? I think yeah. that, that's because people can switch codes these days, right? So so that's why people use the more, I think, I don't know, more romantic yeah. term, I love you, rather than Saish Chinta Kanawa. <laughs> I think because it yeah. sounds a bit formal as well. Yeah, I guess so. I love you doesn't sound well. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which makes me wonder before pop culture, like, yeah. how, what do they say? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe there's more room to express themselves when they're not tied to the, the I love you as a phrase, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think for the reasons I explained that it adds much, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's often thought about as like a culminating point of two people's romance or whatever. But but I think before yeah, before I the dawn of pop culture, maybe courtship was also quite different. Very, right then. very, yeah. 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 I mean, this is why Malays are really into forbidden love. <laughs> Tales of forbidden love, right? Like... And it shows the structural change, right? Because forbidden love is always about an individual falling in love outside the bounds of culture, the bounds of class. And that shows that the structure is changing as such that individuals are making choices outside of their social constraints. And this is what a lot of dramas are about until today, right? And recently, there's a preoccupation with Mu'alafs now, falling in love with Mu'alafs, you know. So, <laughs> I guess <laughs> no, the structure is evolving, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> take my word for it. Shout out to Mu'alafs. Anyway, so, you know, there's this thing where forbidden love, I think, captures the tensions that I think we all somewhat have to navigate, right? Being like modernizing Malay context, you know. And, and the melodrama around it just shows like how much suffering those forbidden loves, you know, cause. But being able to witness it is cathartic, right? So, I mean, it's a really good question. Like, what does it mean that love now in, in, in a modernizing context ultimately culminates in I love you for Malays rather than their own aku cinta kan atau aku cinta kan kamu, you know? It's there in Sambilu, right? But <laughs> nobody nobody speaks like Awi, right? Uh, <laughs> or sings like him. Shout out to Awi. Anyway, this is another phrase that liberals like. I'm afraid of commitment. <laughs> is there a local equivalent? <laughs> it sounds like you're painting them using a broad, a broad brush. <laughs> well, we only have 40 minutes, you know. But... Well, I take a commitment. That's a literal <laughs> translation. <laughs> but has it become a bumper sticker? Has it reached a sort of a bumper sticker sort of like... I don't think so. It's not, the other one is like, it's not you, it's me. I mean, that's the yeah. other one, right? But... <laughs> okay, commitment. Is it in Bahasa? We call well, it commitment, that, that's right? The, that's the, that's the bastardized version. Uh. I yeah. mean, tanggungjawab, right? Tanggungjawab. <laughs> but tanggungjawab is a bit different to commitment. But it's the worst thing to say, aku tak suka tanggungjawab, right? Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, because responsibility is about community mm. and given like how we're like 
all madly in love with community like to say that you don't want to be responsible. Yeah. And, and it's also very different. Like, <laughs> commitment is more about accountability plus responsibility, whereas tanggungjawab is responsibility, right? Uh, commitment is more like, yeah, I think that's true. Commitment has this implication of being tethered to mm. something, right? Being committed in a relationship means like, well, you're going to be attached to this person, right? Waking up to each other every morning, looking at each other's the best and the worst, that sort of thing, right? You're like, you come in a package with a person now, mm. right? And that's the fear. The fear is that, right? And there are many ways that you can spin this fear, right? It could be about childhood wounds or whatever, right? But it's become this kind of cliche phrase. And again, I'm taking a lot of liberties here to paint a very broad brush, right? Over sort of liberal dating conventions. But, you know, things like, you know, it's not you, it's me, you know, I'm afraid of commitment. These are, these have become sort of choruses for the liberal song, right? <laughs> so is there an equivalent chorus in the sort of local dating conventions, right? But, mm. Okay, so okay, help me understand this. People talk about commitment when they're in the serious phase of relationship, right? Or when they're about to enter into the relationship. I don't relationship. know, man. Sometimes <laughs> they, that's the first thing they say on the first date, you know, like I'm afraid of commitment. I have issues with commitment and stuff like that, yeah. But I don't think there's an equivalent. I think the answer is that there's no equivalent, right? Mm. But it's interesting that there isn't. So, all right. The final one, just to close off. And I think this is actually the easiest one out of today's list. Uh, belonging. Belonging? Well, mm, Kepunyaan, is it? Saya kepunyaan dia. Dia sudah berpunya. Is that it? Yeah. But there's no noun. There's no belonging. Yeah. There's no yeah. kepunyaan as like a ideal, you know. Wait, belonging as in you're referring to? I belong with. I belong, I belong with. with this oh, okay. person, yeah. But then again, I mean, it's worth thinking about the notion of belonging more broadly, right? Mm. Like, um, actually, you're right. That's a great question. Mm. Like, before we talk about belonging with someone, what does that, just the notion belonging Yeah, sense imply? of belonging. Yeah, the yeah. sense of belonging. It, first of all, it assumes a question. Mm. Where do you belong? Mm. Which assumes that somehow you're out of place, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not yourself. Go on. So yeah. be yourself, right? That's the it goes back to that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> be yourself is part of the liberal chorus too, by the way. Yeah, but go on. I'm quite surprised because I've never seen the word belonging used in tandem with somebody. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean maybe maybe that's how I use the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, sorry, I okay. I think so. I don't think it's necessarily maybe it's out of step now. I don't necessarily <laughs> maybe they don't think of it in those terms, but Plus, wouldn't it disrupt the liberal sense of uh, individuality, even in a relationship? I don't know. Well, that's the other problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can apply that question to lots of things. But how about, uh, well, this is the other thing, home. What's the local equivalent to home? Home. Home is rumah. That's yeah. the, in the, the liberal sense, the liberal distinction or the English distinction, right, is that there is the home and there's the house, right? And house is, again, it's, it's, it's an idealized notion, because the house is concrete, the home is metaphysical, mm. right? In the Malay context, we don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Right? Right. That's perumahan, which is not home. Yes. In, in yeah. the sort of... I, I think the closest yeah. I can find, a translation for that is actually rumahku sugarku. And that, that's just a phrase. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even like a word. It's more yeah, like a yeah. phrase like, to yeah. describe like how a house can be a home. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And I don't know, I mean, maybe that's something to be troubled by, that so much is expected of the rumahku that it becomes yugaku, you know? So, I don't know, I don't know. But belonging is another question, right? Like, again, if we think about modernization in terms of displacement, right? Divides in rural-urban inequality, the divorce of individual from society and stuff like that. Modernity is fragmentation. In a hyper-modern world, 
the question of belonging becomes relevant because there's so much fragmentation. But if your social bonds are tighter than they otherwise would be under modernization, then maybe that's less of an obsession, right? Maybe it's a question, but it's not an obsession that compels the whole category of thinking, right? Mm. So anyway, any concluding thoughts before we wrap up, Hanif? I find it quite interesting because it seems like there are two different worlds when it comes to relationship, right? Especially when we approach it from the language perspective, right? So how do you juggle this? As in, yeah. Because, I mean, you're technically bilingual as well, right? So so I find it quite interesting that it's like you have two different mindsets for yeah, approaching I, I, relationships. I wonder about that as well. How, how significant are these differences? You know what I mean? Because, okay, fine. Some words are there. Some translations are not, right? So what, right? So th- this is a bigger project we're thinking about. And you need a lot of like, close studies and interviews and stuff like that, you know, to talk about, you know, what norms are are functioning in these two different worlds and how do they diverge, you know, how do they converge. But I do sense, however, that in practice, right, there is a different mode of appreciating others, at least in in the Malay context, right? I mean, we use the example of Raya, right? Um, We use the example of the strength of kinship bonds, right? And I think, you know, the sort of the modern liberal outlook is quite uncomfortable with this notion that you're always already connected. Connection is something you negotiate after you kind of feature yourself front and center, you know, whereas in the Malay context, it might be different. So this offers alternatives for different ways of relating to people, different ways of showing appreciation, valuing connections, and of course, working through them, right? Um, That's the general picture I get, that maybe there are better ways of bonding that is on offer. And I think when you look at certain practices of the family in the Malay context, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on there, you know. But what the political significances are, the bigger questions it has for Malaysia, I don't know, you know. But it's always good to pause and appreciate just how much blending is going on, right? And I think we should actually celebrate the fact that we have a broader menu when it comes to like thinking about what it means to like be with others you know which is basically the question of democracy really yeah anyway that's it for us for now email the show bfmnightschool@gmail.com. look us up on Facebook type night school in search space and also be sure to download our app at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store once again I'm Ahmad Farahmat join alongside Hanif Baharuddin and this is Night School on BFM 89.9 The Business Station Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.